0: Morning. Welcome to Simply Remarkable, created by Remarkable, a speaker's bureau. And I'm your host, Sue Falcone, founder and creator of Remarkable. Now, we begin this show for you, our audience, because we wanted to showcase the talent that we have here at Remarkable. And so that you could know them personally as we do. Yes, we know personally every person that we represent here and you can see their value as a speaker or performer. And who knows, you might be looking for a match that you see today for an event you're planning or you know someone that is. Also, you will see how remarkable they are and how they can help you be remarkable, too. Now, happy summer wherever you're at. Some of us have summer, some of us not quite yet, but we're all here together and we thank you for joining us here today. The active chat line is open. We welcome your questions and comments because we will make sure that we answer them. Now, our guest today, Alan Mallory, is a award-winning dynamic international keynote speaker, creative trainer, author, TEDx speaker, professional engineer, celebrity athlete, performance coach, and a family man. Yes, he does it all, but he's passionate about reaching new heights in all that he does and how he helps us do that too. He believes in empowering people. Alan is one of only about 6,000 people to have successfully climbed the world's tallest mountain, Mount Everest, which is located in Nepal, between Nepal and Tibet, and it's 29,000 feet high. I can't even imagine that. And it is the tallest point on earth. Alan and his family set a world record by becoming the first family of four to set foot on Mount Everest. He's got a degree in engineering and a master's in psychology, and that gives him. A well-balanced approach to the inner and outer challenges we all face. Isn't that amazing? Love it. Now, he has two best-selling books out. First one is The Family That Conquered Everest. Tells all about what happened there. And he also has a newer one, Summits of Self, which is The Seven Peaks of Personal Growth. We certainly know that Alan can bring us a lot of great information today, and we just welcome you, Alan, for joining us. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Sue. It's my pleasure.
0: And where are you coming to us from?
1: Oh, I live just north of Toronto in Canada.
0: Mm -hmm. He's in Canada, everybody. Okay. (laughs) Yay. I love it. I love it. Now, Alan, this is a fast-moving show. Mm -hmm. Let's get started because I want them to hear all about what they've always wanted to know about you, Alan. Okay. And we picked some good questions for you. Okay. Perfect. Now, Alan, everybody always wants to know how did you become this international speaker, coming from a successful engineering background. Mm-hmm. Now, those two doesn't really seem to match. But how did it happen? How did it all of it happen?
1: Well, it is a unique uh, journey, I would say, and I, I have a pretty rare education background because my undergraduates in mechanical engineering, but then I have a master's in psychology, which are polar opposites. But I got so interested in the human mind in that in my younger years, I went through my own mental health journey with uh, I had quite a severe anxiety disorder. and social phobia and so it's kind of ironic that i that i do what i do now but um after a lot of years of that and kind of living inside my own mind i finally decided enough's enough i'm going to do whatever it takes to figure this out and and that's when i started studying the human mind and uh and it, it became quite passionate about it and still am i mean that's uh, really how, how i've i think i was just as i say motivated by the improvements i i saw in my my own life to continue down that path um, so then when we climbed Everest, uh, now I was still kind of working through things, but that opened a lot of doors because it was quite a unique, exciting yet harrowing um, two months of climbing and two years of planning uh, to to make that a reality. And so then a lot of organizations would just have me come in and, and share my story. And so um, in many ways, it really aligned well with what I was doing anyway, because I was already trying to what you could call go through a journey of, of uh, voluntary exposure therapy in terms of facing some of those things I'd avoided for years and years. And so, uh, so that's, that's how it got started. And then like it, it kind of, um, progressed from there into, uh, lots of different, uh, programs on, on leadership and mental health and all kinds of things. And some of them aren't even Everest focused nowadays, but, um, but it's a, it's a unique journey and there's a lot of synergies with, with the challenges that, uh, individuals and organizations are are, are faced with in, in, in day-to-day um, operations in life.
0: That sounds fascinating. I mean, mm-hmm. really, when you think about the whole thing, it's, it's amazing mm-hmm. where you've been and where you've come to, and we just thank you for that and sharing that because, hey, this is what we do. We're pretty transparent as speakers, mm-hmm. and that's what people are wanting because mm-hmm. when they're sitting in your audiences, you never know, do you? so that's that you can reach them now you made that journey to the mm-hmm. top of mount everest with three members of your family now who were they and you just said it took you months to train and tell us how long did it take to to climb it really i mean mm-hmm. how how give us some kind of details because yeah. people like to hear the details yeah, so
1: it was. Uh, I mean, from where you where you start the expedition in in uh, Lukla, Nepal, it's a, it's a, it's really two months, uh, and most of that is the acclimatization, going up and down, making these pushes into the altitude. And this was my my father, brother, sister, and I, in terms of our, our world record. Now, my mother was there as well. Uh, she had a fall just above base camp and tore her Achilles tendon, so she had to abandon her, her climb. Um, but it's, it was quite a you know in almost every category it was it was that much more challenging than, than we ever expected i mean there's this the section just above base camp uh called the kumbu Icefall, and we're crossing about 50 of these seemingly bottomless crevasses and some of them are 35 feet wide and we're we we're they're spanned by by four aluminum ladders tied end to end and you look down them and some of them you can't even see the bottom they're so deep and that's really just the the, you know the, the the start after you get through base camp but the challenge is that you have to go through that section six times because of this up and back when you you need to make pushes into the altitude to trigger the production of red blood cells which is needed as part of the acclimatization process but if you stay there you'll get edema either either pulmonary or cerebral edema where the where the fluid leaks into your lungs and will suffocate you or or into your brain and, and will cause you to go blind. And if you don't get down very quickly, it will, it will uh, kill you. And so, um, I was just reading the, the, the comments there. The, um, yeah, so it's, that really plays with your, your mind because, you know, a lot of challenges we have in life, it's kind of one and done. I'm glad I know I got through that, but to have gone up to, let's say to camp three and then come all the way back down to base camp, uh, and then turn around and say, I "Have to do that all over again." Uh, that is really quite a, uh, a a mental fortitude game, you might say, and that's why you know the majority of climbers end up turning back. I mean, there's lots of different reasons. There's also weather and, and things like that. But you you push your your mind and your your body um, to new limits, and so it really is a journey of self discovery. You have to uh, know yourself and 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 have conditioned yourself, especially mentally, through through some other major challenges in life in order to build the resilience, I would say, that's needed to, to persevere. So, um, so that's how, you know, that's, there's just for the two months, there's just more (laughs) sections like that. There's a a near vertical, um, 6,000 foot uh, icy face called the Lotse face, uh, which it had its own challenges with ice and rocks coming, tumbling down at us. And then, and then once you're above 26,000 feet, you're in what's known as the death zone where there's not enough oxygen to support life and the entire time you're in the death zone your your body's just continuously degrading and if you spend more than a few days there you 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 run the risk of not even having enough energy to go back down and so um you kind of want to minimize your time in there and you have about a 30 hour climb from there up to the summit uh, if you're going to be successful and then and then try to get get out so um, that's not without risk, and it claims a lot of lives. There were three people that perished the year we were there uh, just on the south side. So,
0: mm. mercy. Wow.
1: Mm. Anyone
0: out there ready to make that climb? Okay, you never <laughs> know. You might be influencing someone that has that courage and that resilience to take well- that.
1: <laughs> I don't actually encourage people to do the climb. I don't recommend it to any of my friends. It's really an analogy for overcoming, climbing your own mountains in life, I would say. And anyone who sees any of my programs won't want to go anywhere near Everest. But it's right. it's inspiring in the way that you can use that same um, passion and commitment and agility and everything to to work through other challenges. Internal mountains. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And we got a no from Lindy on that one. She's not taking that challenge. (laughs) So that that was cool. Now, in your signature keynote, Mm -hmm. which is reaching new heights, Mm -hmm. what impacts and takeaways do your audience's experience based on your Mm -hmm. whole journey of life?
1: Yeah, well, there's a few different versions, and certainly in my longer versions, I I have um, you know bringing ropes and knots, and they're quite interactive. But but, but my my keynote, um, it's kind of a a hybrid. It it bounces back and forth between our our story, and it's quite a visual and emotional uh, journey with lots of short videos and and uh, and lots of photos and so on. And then the practical takeaways. And so um, there's a section where I talk about the importance of uh, maintaining a future mindset. Um, there's a lot on agile agile leadership you know how do you adapt to different challenges that are, are 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 thrown at you on a daily basis and not get too caught up in a rigid mindset where you're just not able to um to make those th- th- those those changes that are that are needed um and then there's a section on empowering people and kind of looking at the 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 two extremes i mean we have mentor roles but also we don't want to stifle the innovation and and creativity through directing and controlling everything that's going on and so um there's a section on uh, resolving conflicts i mean that's a that's a big challenge on the mountain it's a lot of type a personality individuals usually coming together from all over the world and and um and it just tears apart a lot of the teams and so we had some advantages being a family we'd already been through other expeditions together but it we weren't without conflicts and and we've developed ways of of effectively working through them without derailing the the um the expedition the end goal and so um and that's become pretty popular kind of that bouncing back and forth it you know there's the inspirational aspects but it's also it's also uh it's practical i mean people want to see how um what i've learned i guess and and uh, can apply to their own situation and that's where that kind of moving back and forth works well and and then i customize it to some degree depending on how much professional development um is is needed and how much uh just kind of inspiration and and, uh, entertainment. so.
0: Right, and you Mm -hmm. do that well, very well. Now, how has your mental health journey Mm -hmm. influenced your life? Because it's quite a journey. Mm -hmm. And why do you choose to include that in the topics that you speak about? Mm -hmm. Because you've combined, again, kind of the opposites here. Mm -hmm. And that's fabulous because people are going through a lot of Mental journeys themselves yeah. today. So, so, um, why'd you choose to include that?
1: Well, I, I guess I thought, um, in order to be, and this is especially with my second book because you touch on a good point, Sue. It's a, you know, I was when I first started writing it, I was a little bit, uh, what would I say, almost cautious because. Um, you know, as humans, it's not always that that easy to, to open up about certain things you think you're going to, especially if you have a a social phobia to begin with early on in my, in my life. And so, but I thought, well, in order to be useful to people and helpful, you know, you kind of have to be an open book. You can't have, you know, too much of um, what I call it, where you, you know, as humans, we're pretty good at determining whether someone's kind of holding back part of the truth or something like that and and um i was when i was going through my journey i was actually looking for someone like me that that and i didn't have very good luck in finding someone i found lots of medical professionals that that kind of knew the theoretical and um but i would i would go to see um uh psychotherapists for example or or or, or psychologists and um you know, they would give me strategies and things, but I would always think, well, that's easy for you to say. You're not immersed in it. You're not going through it. And so I would say some of the, and really a lot of what they told me was right, but I just didn't allow it to, you know, I didn't accept it at the time, I would say, because it seemed like, well, I've already tried that kind of on a a superficial level. And so um, when I say I was looking for someone like me, someone who also had lived through it and been through it. And um, that's, I think, when it comes to psychological well-being, where um, where I can, you know, provide some value and, and help to people, especially with my, with my new book because it's quite uh, a, a transparent and actionable um, book on on making small cognitive changes that that add up to to changes in your life. Um, so that's why I you know I thought it would just be be, be because at first, I really wasn't going down that mental health path. And then I didn't realize there was such a need, because we tend to think that we're, we're a, you know, kind of a, an anomaly in, in a sea of normalcy, you might say something like that. And, um, but then when I started to kind of sharing parts, you know, at the end of my, my programs, that the questions and the people that would come up and, and want to shake my hand and, and and talk further, you know, often it was, you know, that's what resonated with them, you know, they were, either working through something in their own life or their or or for a loved one or a, a child or something like that and they're they're kind of searching for for uh answers and um they found the the practical steps that i had uh taken and and included in the program um i guess gave them hope and gave, you know gave them something something cognitive to try because there's different uh co- of course methods to to um tackle these types of things and but I've really found that that it was through those deeper cognitive changes, um, which is not that easy because we've been our entire, well, I wouldn't say it's not that easy. It's just, it's not going to happen overnight. We've been our entire lives developing these automatic thought processes. And so if it's just not realistic to think that it's going to be a a, a, a quick miracle fix it's through many small purposeful changes in the, in the way we think and the actions we take in life. And that's what, um, That's what makes those changes and and, you know that's what worked in in my life and that's what i um i share with folks
0: that is amazing because yesterday for our weekly corporate blog we featured a a blog that was so key and so well received on maintaining mental well-being during business travel Mm -hmm. you uh, travel a lot as well Mm -hmm. as other business owners, and even you know, not necessarily just speakers, but everybody, yeah. and how the steps that you need to take to maintain that well-being. Thank you for sharing that, because a lot of people have have seen that, and uh, we were. Thank you for for giving us that opportunity to feature that, because that was really great. That that really. Yeah hit hit home <laughs> well travel <laughs> tra- tra-
1: can really play on your mental health with all the time changes and so on and it's easy to just um forego um the physical exercise and so on and you just it's one airport to one conference center and and before you know what it, it has it plays a negative toll on your health so
0: exactly exactly mm-hmm. now you mentioned that you address leadership in a form of how to adapt Mm-hmm. the challenges that we all face today.
1: Yep.
0: What I'd really like to see is if you can just give us some of the keys that you can share with us today of how to adapt today
1: mm-hmm.
0: in today's world as it is.
1: Yeah. Well, it, um, I mean, some of the the agile tools and strategies that I use come from my, my uh, project management background. You know, I was in custom machine design, and so it was really quite a... Um, um an agile environment where we'd have to prototype and test and the whole idea behind a, 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 an agile approach is, is is what we call incorporating iterations you, you want to roll something out of value as quickly as possible so that you can get the feedback and adjust your your course accordingly um, because we've all been involved in endeavors in life and and maybe it's to try to complete something or roll something out and in, in maybe it's two years and then you finally roll it out and you get the feedback you say, I wish I had this feedback a month ago, three months ago, because I wouldn't have went that far down that path. And so that's why you want to have it break it down into the smaller iterations where you can try to roll something out, test something uh, as early as possible so you can fail on a smaller scale, make adjustments, and you don't fail catastrophically in the end. And uh, I think that really is a, a good approach to, to take in a lot of the things that we um, that we that we find ourselves involved in. Uh, and the key is the feedback piece. Uh, it's not just breaking it down into small steps. You, you need to kind of test it to some degree um, to, to start to gather, even if it's a small piece of whatever you're trying to, to, to accomplish or, or develop. And, um, and then that's what's going to allow you to, to make informed decisions on which direction you, sh- you should take that endeavor. Um, that's not so easy for a lot of people, especially if you're, if you're high in the personality trait of conscientiousness and low in openness, then, y- you know, you, you want to already have in your mind a very clear picture of exactly what it's going to look like, uh, at the end of the journey. And, um, that can be detrimental because throughout the journey, your environment changes, your, let's say clients needs change, you change. And, uh, and if you kind of have those horse blinders on, you're just not able to adapt. And so you'll just keep marching on very efficiently, but in the wrong direction. <laughs> and so that's where incorporating that feedback is, is so key. And that's at the heart of an, an agile approach. I would say, um, certainly that the, uh, iterations and, uh, and empowering people. That's the, that's the, the other key, um, you know, you can't just, um, most of the time, we're, why we're disempowering others is we don't want a mistake someone else makes to look bad on us. And so uh, it, it is a um, a learned skill. You know, how do you empower people strategically so that when mistakes are made, it's a it's a learning experience and not something that's going to cripple the organization.
0: So key because you just hit it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, we're all being able to see ourselves right there. Because it is. It is a challenge. And we just thank you for being out there and being able to help us get through Mm -hmm. that. And also, you address a lot about stress. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you this. This is a really cool thing that you do. Alan is a professional at playing the electric violin. He even Mm -hmm. does that in some of his keynotes. Uh, How has that? And he's great in the music. I love your music. How has that helped you in your
1: life? Um, The stress management or the music in itself? I guess they're both. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, I've really found the violin to be, and I think a lot of people experience this. I mean, it's a way to kind of distract us and you can use it for stress management. You know, music really has quite a therapeutic um, side to it. And, and so I, and I use music analogies in that particular, um, Keynote, And so that's why I tie in the live music. I mean, I've tried to make sure that I've been to a lot of conferences and they can I've seen a lot of kind of dry programs. And so I try to make sure my uh, whatever I offer is not going to be dry. It's going to be unique in some ways. And certainly my Everest one is, but also my other one with the electric violin is uh, is quite unique in the way that it's um, the way that entertainment is, I guess, into, into integrated throughout um so that certainly helped with um with stress management but you know stress is a bit of an I- interesting thing and that and i would say you know i in my background i was a very driven ind- individual in my years growing up and some of that came from my father you know he was um and i say this on a on a positive note i mean he was very um what i say he really you know immersed me and my, my siblings in an environment of the, that stressed the importance of of um setting ambitious goals in life and and not letting too much get in the the, the way of them and that's been tremendously beneficial for me um you know uh, to have that emulated but then i also had to get the balance in that um when i was working through my mental health challenges i actually worked on the other side which is more about the self acceptance And that's when I started doing uh, yoga and and, uh, you know, practiced um, a lot of mindfulness techniques. I guess you'd say they they fall under that umbrella. And um, and that was really to kind of break free. You can you can be caught in this, um, what would I say, elevated baseline level of stress and if you look at that statistically, it is correlated with all kinds of really negative life outcomes. And so, if you are someone who ruminates a lot and is is kind of stuck in that in that high baseline level of stress, it's worth investing in yourself and 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 finding some cognitive distractions and mindfulness te- techniques and things like that that are going to reduce that. Uh, that allow you to at times. Uh, reduce that level of stress the stress is an interesting one because you don't actually when, when to perform at your best you don't want to be in a lackadaisical sleep mood that was the yerkes dodson law where basically there's there's uh, your performance increases up to a uh, up to a medium stress arousal but then it decreases and so any elite athlete will will confirm that they don't perform their best when they're completely stressed out or or in a lackadaisical sleep mode it's it's this medium arousal and so, uh, and that's not that easy to to um, achieve, because once the project starts going off the rails, everyone's on the the the, the uh, stressed outside, and where the productivity is super low.
0: Exactly, and then we can get in that mode. So, thank you for sharing that, because mm-hmm. all those kind of things combined together. Now, I understand. You are building a new house yourself with your family there in Canada.
1: Speaking Canada. of stress,
0: yeah. how's it coming along? And yeah. how important is your family and mm-hmm. what you do, how you travel, mm-hmm. uh, you travel around the world? Do they get to travel with you? You know yeah. what? What? How is your family involved in this?
1: Well, that's actually so something I've I've um, I think a lot about because. You know when you spend a lot of time on on, on the road I, I think i've done a pretty good job like when i was working as an engineer you know i was home most nights um although i traveled plenty then as well but i was kind of like exhausted and all i wanted to do is eat and go to sleep like this seems to be a better balance you know there's times when i'm on the road but also um but you know when i'm I'm home i'm I'm kind of 100 percent there let's say um or more more than more than i was so uh, I like the, the the life balance. And the other thing is I do try to um, it's it's tough with the kids in school now, although we we do make it work. But when when I'm going to interesting places, uh, we've often done a, a, a family trip um, or just uh, what my my eldest, she likes coming along or, or my wife or something, you know, when, whenever we can make it work, it isn't always uh, super feasible. But that's important. I, you know, I, er, early on, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to have to this is going to involve a lot of, 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 travel. And if it's going to stay interesting and relevant to to me and our, our family's going to uh, stay, what they say? Maintain that cl- the close knit bonds, I'm going to have to find ways. And, and actually that's one of the reasons why I often try to do something um, out in the, in the outdoors, you know, kind of something interesting in the area rather just see than seeing the um, Hotel room in the the conference center. Um, it keeps it interesting and and, and exciting for me. And uh, and whenever possible, we we do it as a family. And there's so many different uh, interesting areas of the world to explore that there, there's no no shortest in ideas if we can pull it all together.
0: That's great. That's great that you can manage to 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 do that. That's that's fabulous. You have to put importance on that, and that's great. Now, you wouldn't believe this, but our time is almost up. <laughs> wow, it just goes. But in closing, one last question for you, Alan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What are you going to do today to be remarkable?
1: What are we going to do today to be remarkable? Unfortunately, I've got a few things on the uh, house build list I've got to go through. I don't know if I'd call them, is that remarkable or kind of getting through the uh, the, the, the tasks I have to get through. But uh, what am I going to do to be remarkable? Certainly. Um, you know, I've been kind of upping my, my, uh, social media and outreach a a fair bit. I think just, you know, I think you can live day to day in a remarkable manner. If you, if you do pay attention to, um, those that are in your life and treat people with respect and, and try to give your, your, your kids and your, your, your family, the, uh, the attention they deserve, those types of things. So I don't know if it's it's not a climbing Mount Everest type of remarkable day, but <laughs> but I, I think you can tell a lot about people by, you know, how they, how they uh, manage the small things in their life. And maybe that's, that, that's, it's one of those days for me.
0: <laughs> that's great because you're right. It's going to involve people you love. And that's, that's, the, that's part of it as well. And to our audience here that have joined us, Our challenge to you today is let us know, what are you going to do to be remarkable? You've heard some great things today and things are happening in your life. So let us know. We'd love to hear that in your comments or share them on our chat because that makes us know that, hey, we are all remarkable. And uh, that's amazing. Now, thanks so much, Alan, for joining us today and sharing your story. This is absolutely awesome. Awesome. And to be in his audience, it's really high energy. So that is really great. And we hope that you'll come back Mm -hmm. and to have Alan at your next event, call us today as he books quickly and in advance. We found that out. We've got to make sure that you you get on his schedule and uh, on his traveling schedule. And also we have all kinds of things to offer uh, in different topics and challenges. This is it. You know, he has a, a well-rounded uh, topic base. So that's that's really cool that he can handle a lot of things that other speakers don't. So thank you again, Ellen. And everyone, we hope you will come back next Friday, June 30th. Can you believe June is gone? <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, it was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> now we move on. And Our guest next Friday will be the international, inspirational Latina keynote speaker, CEO and business expert, best-selling author, Maggie Cook. Hear how she went from an orphanage in Mexico to becoming a millionaire. Her journey is amazing. And she is a graduate of the University of Charleston. And in her best-selling book, Mindful Success, She shares her compelling journey from that orphanage to building a multi-million dollar company from scratch. My role model, I don't know about y'all. And you'll learn exactly how Maggie overcame every challenge and the many ups and downs of starting her own company. No matter where you come from or what situation you're currently in, Maggie details a step-by-step roadmap you can apply to accomplish your dreams. And it's amazing because all the proceeds of her books goes back to her foundation in Mexico. Your purpose is you because she went back and took over that orphanage. So amazing story. You won't want to miss it. And she shares her story with corporate audiences and teaches them research-backed strategies she uses to stay mindful and build resilience during times of change. She has spoken to many, many Fortune 100 and 500 companies to show their leaders how to leverage their personal strength to discover opportunities for growth. You won't want to miss Meeting Maggie. And we want you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you won't miss an episode of our show. And you can go back and listen again, just in case you didn't get everything uh, written down of what our talent is offering to you. Just in this short period of time, a wealth of knowledge. And we hope that you have a remarkable summer weekend and we will see you next Friday.